You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. That's right, Bear Down Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, coming at you from my newly furnished home studios as we continue the NFL season despite all the craziness that is going on with the coronavirus and the shelter-ins and the lockdowns and everything coming going on across this country. It's, it's like living in a movie right now, but the NFL forges on because, well, what else would the NFL do? We've got plenty of free agency to discuss. No guest today. We're going to skip on the guest for today's program. Just give you some of my thoughts about the, about the moves the Bears have made here in the last week or so and what it looks like moving forward here for the 2020 season. Now, I'm going to assume for this conversation, let's put coronavirus aside, and let's just say that the Bears season, the NFL season, will start relatively on time. There's way too many, you know, question marks and way too much, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen with this. Now, it certainly looks like OTAs, are not happening this year, or at least they will not happen on time. They will be pushed well into the summer. Training camp and preseason, obviously there's going to be something of that resort, you know, this summer. But, you know, for this conversation, let's assume that the Bears will have a training camp, have preseason, and have, you know, 16, 17 regular season games, whatever it ends up being this season. So let's start. Obviously, Nick Foles is the big conversation that we need to jump into, but let's not start on the offensive side of the ball because that's going to dominate the conversation. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball first. Let's start in the secondary because I think what's going on there is interesting. The Bears have made a couple minor moves. They've brought back Deion Bush. They brought back Houston Carson, which was, you know, really more of a special teams move. So from the defensive side of the ball in the secondary, the Artie Burns signing is not a commitment to a new CB2. He is not going to be the guy who's definitely opposite Kyle Fuller. I think he's just been brought into the mix as competition. And if some of these younger guys and more unknown guys cannot step up to the plate and earn that starting position, they've got Artie Burns now in the mix for a little bit of a fallback. Because we know Kyle Fuller is going to be anchoring the secondary there among cornerbacks there. He's he's the Bears' CB1. You put him in right there. Now, for the rest of the situation, you've got Buster Screen, who could be starting at the nickelback, but he could also be starting outside. He's got some flexibility. He's not, you know, he's not an all-pro. He's not even a pro bowler, but he does have some flexibility as to where he can play. So depending on what develops is where Buster Screen kind of fits in, and I think that's part of the reason why 
the Bears signed him was not just to replace Bryce Callahan, but to help round out the Bears secondary and get some some guys who can play multiple positions. Because in that CB2 role, now what you've got is you've got Kevin Tolliver, the undrafted kid from uh, from LSU who's you know slowly been building up here the last couple of years. He's going to have an opportunity to earn that position. Trey Roberson, who they got from the CFL, he's going to be in the mix as well. Those two guys are going to be duking it out there. You've also got Duke Shelley on the inside with Buster Screen at the potential nickelback spot. And of course, like I said before, Artie Burns. So what does that mean? That means you're going to have a pretty, pretty hotly contested competition there in training camp and preseason as to what the Bears are going to do with that position. Will Buster Screen earn the spot and start starting outside and someone like Duke Shelley earns the nickelback spot? Will it be Tolliver? Will it be Burns? Will it be Roberson? Will they earn that spot on the outside and Screen stays on the inside in the nickel spot? So they've got some flexibility there, but they what they did not do is go and spend heavy at the cornerback position. So you see that coming into place, and that's why I wanted to look at that first before we talk about safety. We know Eddie Jackson got his big extension. He's going to be there, and, and that's fantastic for the Chicago Bears and Bears fans. At the other safety position right now, Deion Bush is penciled in as the starter. That doesn't make me too comfortable, especially because there's really nothing behind Deion Bush right now behind him. I still like Deion Bush as the third safety on the team who can spot start in case of an injury or, or just rotations, you know, when, when you need someone to get some rest. I'd like the Bears to sign a safety still at this point. There's usually veteran safeties to be had that can be had cheap. Now, Tony Jefferson is a guy I have mentioned on this podcast in the past. It's a guy I've tweeted about. It's a guy that has had interest in the Bears in the past when he's been a free agent, and it just hasn't hasn't come to fruition. I think that is a guy 100% these Chicago Bears need to target this offseason. Now, he's coming off a major knee injury where he injured not just his ACL, but his PCL as well. So the Bears are not going to sign him until their doctors have a chance to take a look at him and see how sound that knee is. That being said, Tony Jefferson is not a guy that they're going to be able to sign right now. He is a guy that may not be able to sign. First of all, his knee's probably not going to be full go until May or June. He should be full go for training camp, but if you look at his Twitter feed, he's responded to tweets before. He says late May, early June is when his knee should be feeling pretty good. So that's when the Bears, I think, you know, would be able, assuming their doctors are allowed out to look at him, that's when the Bears, I think, would look at someone like Tony Jefferson to bring into the mix at safety. They don't have to address it right now. They have Deion Bush. They have the potential to get someone in the draft as well. So they don't need to grab Tony Jefferson and stick him on the roster right now. That's something they could do significantly down the line over the summer. But that's a guy I think they should target because here's my thought process. You know you're going to have someone relatively untested at cornerback, whether that be Tolliver, whether that be Burns, who hasn't had the great, who hasn't been great here the last couple of years, whether that be, you know, Roberson, whoever it is, you're going to have a couple question marks there at cornerback. You really can't come in to a season with question marks at cornerback and safety. That's a lot. 
If you have someone like Tony Jefferson in there and he proves to be healthy, you slide him in at the safety position and you know you what you have. If Jefferson struggles or whatever, or Deion Bush earns that spot, then you've got a reliable safety like Tony Jefferson, you know, who can rotate in, and in case there's an injury, there, there's plenty that he can do. So I like a signing like that, plus he's great in blitz packages, he's great, you know, as a box safety, and when those formations arise, he can be close to the line of scrimmage. Eddie Jackson, if you want to say he played the same position and Pagano used him similarly last season, if you look at formations and where Jackson lined up, he lined up at the line of scrimmage and in the box significantly more. I think 20% more last year than he did the year before. Get Eddie Jackson out of there. Get him further back. Get him playing center field where if a team wants to test the Bears and push the ball down the field and go deep, that they know Eddie Jackson is back there with the possibility that he can make a play on the ball. I think that's a much better setup for the Chicago Bears coming into this season. Ha Ha Clinton Dix did a great job, was a phenomenal signing for the $3.5 million and what he put on the field last year. But the fact is, I don't think he meshed well with Eddie Jackson. I think they're too similar. They're both better when they're playing further off the line of scrimmage. And... When Look, there's plenty of opportunities to have both safeties playing back, but when you need a safety to play forward, that wasn't ha-ha Clinton Dix. Make sure you have a guy like Jefferson and Bush in the mix so you can push them forward at the line of scrimmage and in the box more often and keep Eddie Jackson further back. I think that's a much better situation for the Chicago Bears overall in the secondary. So I hope they, they spend some time, get to this summer, sign someone like Tony Jefferson once his knee's healthy, once the Bears doctors can take a look at him and then move forward with that with that situation and safety. I think that's, that's much better for them in the secondary. Because right now, look, if you go out there with a Tolliver Roberson Burns type guy, a cornerback, and Deion Bush at safety, I'm going to have major concerns about how well the secondary is going to be able to perform next year. So let's let's jump forward here at the linebacker position. Obviously, we've seen a lot of movement here at the linebacker position. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, I was hoping they'd be able to keep him as their third inside linebacker. They were unable to do that. So right now, that position is available because right now that position is Iggy. And I, look, he has not played defense a lot here his first couple years with the Bears. And there's a reason for that. He has not shown a lot defensively. He is fitting in as a special teams player, but he has not made steps forward uh, on the defensive side of the ball. He is not a guy you want to see going bouncing out there in case of an injury. There's got to be someone else the Bears can bring in in that position because obviously we know Nick Kwiatkowski, now a member of the Raiders. The Bears basically had to pick between Kwiatkowski and Trevathan. They knew they weren't going to be able to keep both of them, and they picked Danny Trevathan. Trevathan was was able to kind of maneuver his contract a little more. I was a little surprised with how the Bears worked that contract. I mean, that contract is going to be paid out, you know, it's almost like they deferred money well into well into the future, but he took a nice soft cap hit this year, helped the Bears out in that situation, and look, Trevathan, he's older, he's more injury prone, he definitely has some flaws compared to Kwiatkowski, but the bottom line is he is the better football player. Danny Trevathan, if we remember the first half of the season last year, was arguably the best player on the defensive side of the ball. With Akeem Hicks injured, with Khalil Mack, 
look, Mac was a little flat last year, whether it was because offenses were focusing on him, whatever you want to say, Mac did not have near the impact in 2019 that he did in 2018. And Trevathan really did step up and play phenomenally well. So we've got Trevathan and Roquan in the middle, and now you're going to have Mack on the outside with, and obviously this is a huge move with Robert Quinn. The Bears gave a full commitment to him, really for two years, but for a contract that can extend for five years and decided to let Leonard Floyd go. Now, I've spent time on this podcast defending Leonard Floyd, and I still will for the idea that Leonard Floyd is, is not a good football player. That word bust for Leonard Floyd gets thrown around all the time, and that simply isn't true. Now, where Leonard Floyd failed is because Ryan Pace drafted him to become an edge rusher. That's exactly what he wanted out of him. He wanted a a strong pass rusher. He liked what Floyd's athleticism was, his size, his height. We, we know all the reasons why Pace saw edge rusher in Leonard Floyd, but the bottom line is that's not what Leonard Floyd developed into. His pass rushing skills are not great. He, he doesn't win, win a ton. Now, his pressure rates aren't horrendous, but he does not get to the quarterback. I hear sack, sack, sacks all the time. His pressure rates are better than what his sack totals are, but the bottom line is pass rush is where Leonard Floyd is probably the weakest in his game. He does set the edge well in the run game. He does cover well. There's plenty of things he brings to a defense, but getting to the quarterback and getting sacks is one that he really did not excel in, so the Bears, wanting to beef up their pass rush, go with Robert Quinn. He's a veteran. He's He's got skills. He's a proven pass rusher who can get to the quarterback. And if Akeem Hicks is healthy, with Quinn and Mack, they could have a fantastic pass rush where, like with Fangio, they only have to bring four. That means Pagano isn't going to have to blitz a ton. He's going to be able to bring pressure with four, do a lot in the secondary to hopefully confuse quarterbacks, get some turnovers that way, or he can bring pressure and know that he is definitely getting to the quarterback if he brings five or six with those type of guys up front. So, look, that's a bold move for the Bears where they already have a good defense, they know what they needed to do on offense, and they went even more in on the defensive side of the ball because they wanted to improve that pass rush. Because, look, the Bears' defense last year was still very good. But the Bears, obviously, as we know, did not create turnovers. If you don't get to the quarterback, odds are you're not going to create turnovers. You need those pressures, those sacks, to not just force fumbles, but force bad decisions and get coverage sacks, get interceptions, all the things that you can do when you're getting to the quarterback quarterbacks will, you know, they'll get happy feet, they'll throw the football away. So much can happen if you're getting consistent pressure in the quarterback. They weren't doing that last year. Despite that, they still had a very good defense, but they didn't create big plays, short fields, defensive touchdowns. Everything they did in 2018 that made this team so dynamic was missing from the defense in 2019. Clearly, they want to bring that back, and to do that, they want to do it with pressure on the quarterback. On the offensive side of the football, the Bears haven't done anything at wide receiver. And I know a lot of Bears fans have a lot of faith in Wims and Ridley right now. But to me, the Bears don't have a third wide receiver on this roster right now. 
The Bears need to go out and do something about that. I'm not sure who that person is. I would have loved for them to make a stab at, at Brandon Cooks, who the Rams really just wanted to get rid of because they were trying to shed some salary. They didn't do that. Maybe that's something that could still happen in the future, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I think Cooks would be a great addition to this offense, but that's neither here nor there. I Demarcus Robinson, there's, there's things potentially that the, the Bears could do. I'd like them to get a third wide receiver. I know this draft is loaded with wide receivers. Maybe we'll see them go in, maybe even in the second round, and get another receiver at that point. Because I think we need another weapon. Because obviously Allen Robinson is great. Hopefully he gets an extension and that gets announced soon. Anthony Miller, I think, is poised to have really have a breakout season. I expect big things from Anthony Miller this year. I think this is the year he really puts it all together. Really started coming on strong second half of last year. But at that point then, you still need a reliable third receiver. I know Tariq Cohen's going to split out wide there plenty of times. I know Riley Ridley hopefully will be more involved in the offense and, and more a, a key component of the offense. But you can't rely on Riley Ridley to be your third receiver at this point. And I don't think you can rely on Javon Wims. Wims, to me, is, is okay. He shows bits and pieces here or there. But Wims has not... As, as much as he flashed early as a seventh-round pick, he really hasn't built on that a lot. So I can't lie. If you told me coming into the season that Wims is their third receiver and Ridley is their fourth receiver, I would have concerns. I'm hoping they add something there. I don't know exactly what that is at this point, but I still think they need another target at receiver. Now, tight end got plenty of attention with what they've done so far, and obviously Trey Burton the Bears hope is going to be healthy and come back and earn that contract. They can't get rid of him. They have a huge dead cap if they get rid of Trey Burton. They can't cut him. He's on the roster. I can't see that. I know Brad Biggs has hinted at Trey Burton maybe not being on the roster. I just can't see it. It just does not make any sense to me. The only reason Trey Burton wouldn't be on the roster is if you have four, maybe five tight ends that you think are better than Trey Burton. I can't see that possibly happening with this team. So I think Trey Burton's on the team. I think Harris is going to be a nice inline tight end, can help with blocking. He's just kind of okay at everything. He's not, he's not fancy. He's not flashy. He's not amazing. But for a, a low-cost signing like that, he knows the system. I think he's going to be reliable. You've got those two guys, and obviously you've got Jimmy Graham. Now, this Jimmy Graham contract, I think they gave him way too much money. Let me be the first to say that. Graham got way too much money from the Bears. I can't believe his market was at the point where they felt they needed to pay him that much. I, if Jimmy Graham was signed for $4 million a year, now I can sit there and go, okay, we're trying to catch lightning in the bottle. Why can't Jimmy Graham have $4 million in year one, $5 million guaranteed, and then balloon it up to $8 million or $9 million in year two, where if Graham does catch lightning in a bottle in the Reed system and becomes that tight end that he was years ago... Then you can. Then he's. You're willing to pay him in year two. Why not put incentives in there for whether it be catches or yards or even games played, snaps played, something where then you can build on say four million to go up to six or seven million. I truly don't understand that contract at all. Now I don't hate the signing because the Bears know for this offense to work, they need something at the tight end position. And last year, they literally had nothing. Jimmy Graham had basically the same stats last year, the worst season of his career, 
had the same stats last year as every tight end the Bears put on the field combined. So that's how much better Jimmy Graham is than what the Bears put out there last year. Now, Jimmy Graham, look, Aaron Rodgers, he uses tight ends a little bit, but he does not utilize tight ends a ton. So Jimmy Graham's numbers being down in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be the, oh my goodness, he had Aaron Rodgers and these are the numbers he put up. No, Aaron Rodgers, I think one time in his career has had a tight end with more than 700 yards receiving. He's had tight ends that get five, 600 yards. Jermichael Finley had, had a couple nice years. Jared Cook with him, we know. But he doesn't have tight ends that really go all out, that push 1,000, 1,100 yards like Ertz can do and Kittle can do and Jimmy Graham used to be able to do. You know, Kelsey, he's, he's never had one of those type of guys or utilized anyone in that capacity. Graham, we know, can be the focal point of an offense back in the day. Clearly, with Clancy Barone and with this system, the Bears are thinking, get Jimmy Graham in an Andy Reid system that has the tight end as the focal point and see if you can get him a little... I'm not saying Saints where he was at all pro several years ago, but can he be the guy that was on the Seahawks that gets 650 to 700 yards? That would be a huge step forward for this offense. So I get why they signed Graham. I just don't understand the money behind the Graham contract. Look, I did not want him to sign Eric Ebron. I don't like Ebron. He's a terrible blocker. He's He drops a lot of footballs. I don't think Ebron was worth the money at all. But I will say this. I don't understand how Eric Ebron is making less money than Jimmy Graham. J Jimmy Graham was, no one even knew what was going to happen with Jimmy Graham this year. Giving Graham that much money to me was was really confusing on a team that has very little cap space. But I understand why they did it. So they've got Graham and Burton and Harris at the top of this tight end group. You've got J.P. Holtz, who I think is going to make this team. He proved that he was a, a, a cheap and reliable option for this team to utilize in, in a lot of different formations. And then you're going to sit there and go, is that last spot, because I think they'll keep five tight ends, is that last spot going to be Broniker? Is it going to be Horstead? Are they going to go in the draft? I think that's where you'll see, see some options develop for them at the tight end position. But Adam Shaheen, I definitely do not think will be on this roster. I would have liked Shaheen to be cut now. I don't think there's any point to give Shaheen a, a training camp invite. Get rid of him now. Save just a little money. It's about a million and a half. It's not a ton of money, whatever it is. But save it now so you can utilize it in the cap. There is just no point to have Adam Shaheen on this roster in August, July, August, September, whatever it is, when training camp and the preseason rolls around. That's just a waste waste of time. They know We know he can't play. The Bears know he can't play. Just having him as part of the 90-man roster seems pointless to me at, at this point. Now, I think where the most people are surprised is what the Chicago Bears have done or, or not done on the offensive line. I'm a little surprised, but not overly surprised. As I've said on this podcast multiple times, the, the contracts with Leno and Massey have made them basically immovable. So they were going to be penciled in at tackles, and obviously we know Daniels and Whitehair were going to be positioned at guard and center. The right guard was what was wide open. Coward, we know, didn't do a great job. Kyle Long is retired. So there, there were some questions there. Alex Bars, while he could be the guy to play right guard, at the same time, Alex Bars 
is totally unproven, and as much as a lot of us like him and like his potential, he's still not someone that you can rely on to plug in at right guard without knowing really what you have in him. So right guard was wide open. Now the Bears have just recently signed Jermaine Effetti. He's not great. He, he would definitely fall more in the bust category, but at the same time, he's a reliable veteran who you can plug in. He's probably better than Ted Larson, if you ask me. He's a reliable veteran who you can plug in if need be. I think the Bears will 100% address the offensive line in the draft. I think we will see probably two offensive linemen in the draft, one of them early, second round, maybe third round if the Bears decide to trade back, which we'll talk about closer to the draft. I hope they do trade back. I think that would be a very wise decision on one of those two second round picks. But if they, I think they'll draft an interior lineman, maybe even a tackle early, and I think they'll draft another one on day three that hopefully can develop. I think you'll see the Bears address this offensive line in the draft, but they clearly are not... They're not going to spend a lot of money on it here. They're going to rely on Juan Castillo to improve the scheme, to coach these guys up. It's definitely a bit of a risk. But again, as I've said on this, this podcast, the offensive line, I think as bad as it was in the running game, a lot of that was scheme. A lot of that was just the whole offensive line, the running game, everything about the running game. It was just a mess last year. That needs to be totally overhauled. I have a feeling the Bears think with, with a better scheme and one that's better suited to some of those offensive linemen, they can run the ball a little more efficient, efficiently like they did against the Chargers last year. I'm not saying they're going to go I-formation all the time, but I do think we're going to see a better run scheme there that will help the running game. But listen, they need a right guard. I don't know if Fafetti's going to be that guy, so they're going to have to address it in, in, in the draft. That's, that's going to be definitely something to watch because the Bears, I, I said Graham Glasgow was the guy I wanted them to get. I thought Glasgow was going to be, you know, about $8 million, and Glasgow got $10, $11 million, whatever it was. That's out of the, the Bears' price range. Same thing with Austin Hooper. That was another guy I would have liked them to go after, but Hooper got $11 million, which means you're going to have to push $12 million a year for Austin Hooper. That's too much money. The Bears simply couldn't do that. Now, saving the most important for last, because why not? Nick Foles, now a member of the Chicago Bears, and I think this quarterback position moving forward is intriguing. Those who listen to this podcast know I have been very adamant that this Chicago Bears team is moving on from Mitch Trubisky. I have said it for months, and I will continue to say it. They are not going to have Mitch Trubisky start on this football team. I think there's a good chance, at least 50-50, that Mitch Trubisky is moved off this roster, maybe at the draft, but prior, traded, not cut, traded if they can find a taker prior to the 2020 season. I don't think he fits into the long-term plans of this team at all. I don't think they're picking up the fifth-year option. I don't think they are doing anything to commit to Trubisky beyond this year. If Mitch Trubisky is on this roster, it will be as the second quarterback. There is no open competition. This is not the same situation as the Titans where Nick Foles plays the role of Ryan Tannehill early in the season. The Chicago Bears, if you look at this roster... What have they done? Quinn is, is 30 years old. He's, he's an older player. Danny Trevathan, 30 years old plus, older player. Nick Foles, over 30, older player. 
the Chicago Bears, Jimmy Graham, you know, you got to wipe the dust off his body. To, you know, he, he's what, 33, 34? All these players are older players. The Chicago Bears are no longer looking to sign 26, 27-year-old players that they can develop for three or four years. When you sign this many veterans north of 30, you're going all in. The Bears opened up what you call a Super Bowl window a couple of years ago, the way they structured rosters, the way they went after Mac, and it was positioned on the idea that Mitch Trubisky would be able to be on a rookie contract and this team would be able to be a Super Bowl caliber team when Trubisky developed into a quality quarterback. With Trubisky collapsing, the Super Bowl window started to shatter. The Chicago Bears are trying to keep it open the best way they can. This is why they're making a move for Quinn. This is why they're keeping Trevathan over Kwiatkowski. This is why they're bringing in Jimmy Graham and Nick Foles. They don't care about the youth of this roster right now. They are trying to be competitive for the next couple of years. That's why Nick Foles got brought in. Now, I saw an interesting comment. I believe it was from Patrick Finley on Twitter with Nick Foles. And that is with COVID-19, and again, I'm not trying to make this podcast about the coronavirus, but with it out there, assuming the draft happens on time, the NFL after the draft is basically going to shut down like the other leagues have. When they start up is anybody's guess. There is a good chance that OTAs do not exist this year. There is no mini camps. There is no OTAs. If there are, they will be really shortened and probably in July, maybe even later. So with that in mind, there is not an opportunity to bring in a quarterback who doesn't know an Andy Reid system at all and let them learn a system from scratch and have them ready for week one. Nick Foles knows this system, knows Matt Nagy, knows Flip, knows all these guys. He knows who he's working with. He can pick up this offense lightning quick and be ready to start a quarterback for the Bears in week one. I firmly believe this is Nick Foles' team now, and this is not Mitch Trubisky's team. They have pivoted, and they have moved on. The Nick Foles trade, I made a big whoop to do about it on Twitter. Now, I was talking to Brad Spielberger from OTC. He's, he's a great follow, Brad OTC on Twitter. Great follow if you want to know about Cap, and he's a Bears fan, so he keeps the, a closer tab on the Bears than other teams, but he really knows what's going on with the Cap and everything. My big problem with this Nook Foles trade was the compensation. I felt he did not have a market, and he didn't have a market because of that massive contract that the Jaguars were saddled with. Now, I know he left some of that money behind, but Nick Foles getting a fourth-round pick with that contract when the Jaguars had already pivoted from Foles and moved on to Gardner Minshew did not make any sense and does not make any sense to me. Now, a reason I bring up Brad is because Brad thinks there's a good chance that the Jaguars picked up additional money. We talked about, you know, Schefter talked about how that contract has been reworked. There's voidable years, all that. That's fine. But... Did the Jaguars take more money and lower Nick Foles' cap hit even more this year? We know that, you know, reworking the contract and pushing some extend, some guaranteed money around, they could lower that gap hit to about, you know, $11 million this year. But if the Jaguars grabbed another, say, $5 million, converted it before the trade, in essence, we don't have any of these details. The Nick Foles' cap hit this year for the Bears could be like $6, 7000000 
If that's the case, then I understand the compensation of a fourth round pick. But without any money, if Nick Foles and the full allotment of that contract was pushed off on the Bears to give them a fourth round pick makes absolutely no sense at all. Nick Foles did not have a market. You heard a little bit that maybe the Patriots might be interested, but at the same time, people are saying, well, the Colts were interested. The Colts were not interested. The Colts may have said, hey, if we don't get Phillip Rivers, would you consider trading Nick Foles for a fifth round pick? That may have been the conversation that happened, but once they had Phillip Rivers, the Colts were out. They have Jacoby Brissett. They're not paying all these quarterbacks 15, 20, 25 million dollars a year. The, the Colts were not relevant to this conversation. They had signed Phillip Rivers. They were out of it on Nick Foles. If Ryan Pace was more patient, he probably could have gotten Nick Foles for a seventh round pick. Again, this is under the idea that the Chicago Bears did not get any additional cap relief from the Jaguars in this trade. If they did, that changes my opinion. But as of right now, we've seen no signs that that's happened. And if that has not happened, that level of compensation is way too much. And that's it. It's, it's way too much. The Nick Foles contract was so bad for the Jaguars and what they were going to have to pay their backup quarterback, the Bears should have gotten a pick attached with Nick Foles. This should have been something like Nick Foles and a five for a seventh round pick. That's how bad the contract is. And that's what I was trying to stress on Twitter. You gave way too much compensation. Now, like I said, I am holding back. I am not flipping out about this trade because there is a chance, as, as Brad Spielberger told me, that there was some additional compensation involved in this trade and the Jaguars did eat some more money. If they did, I'm willing to listen to it. If they didn't, you just simply can't trade as much as the Bears did. And I get it. People are like, oh, it's a fourth round pick for a quarterback. That's a great deal. I get it. But the bottom line is that they overpaid. And they overpaid because Ryan Pace did not want to sit here and risk not getting any quarterbacks and being stuck with someone they didn't want. The bottom line to me is he panicked. If you don't want to say, if you say panic is too harsh, he wanted to get a deal done, so he overpaid with a fourth round pick. I am hoping that there is additional compensation because if there's not, I am going to be really bothered by this 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 offer here and what this this trade was. It's just too much money. And plus, and here's the bonus for a late fourth round pick. We know the kind of damage that Ryan Pace does in the fourth and fifth round, that level of player. We've seen Adrian Amos. We've seen Jordan Howard. We've seen Bilal Nichols. We've seen Eddie Jackson. We've seen Tariq Cohen. We've seen Nick Wachowski. Ryan Pace has found gem after gem after gem in the fourth and fifth round. To take away one of his arguably his most valuable pick this year because of how well he does with them to trade for Nick Foles and his bad contract just makes no sense to me. So I am holding back a little bit in hopes that we are going to get some contract deal details on Nick Foles soon and that this, this cap hit and everything gets softened and that's why the Bears paid extra for Nick Foles. If that's the case, I withdraw my argument. If that is not the case, I will come with more fervor and fire because that is a terrible deal by Ryan Pace, especially when you consider that at this point, the only two teams left that could even 
possibly need a quarterback really are the Patriots and the Chargers. That's it. You want to throw in the Dolphins? Well, then that means Ryan Fitzpatrick would be available. If you want to throw in the Jaguars, I, I've heard that as well, if they want to get some, some veteran competition for Minshew. But you've got Winston, you've got Newton, and you've got Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton, I understand, is still on a team. If the Patriots end up going for Andy Dalton, they're going to play the long game and wait for the Bengals to cut him. Then they'll bring him in or wait till he has absolutely no market at all and end up giving him like a seventh round pick if they just don't want to deal with with releasing him whatever whatever it may be but the Patriots are playing the long game there Newton we don't know if he's healthy Winston we know his character issues but the bottom line is there's more quarterbacks available than teams and this is what the whole point was from the start and why the Bears basically had their pick but the bottom line is with Nick Foles knowing this offense and with a lot of unknowns they went in for Nick Foles but again, I think this is Nick Foles' team. I do not think this is a competition. I will continue to, to, to beat that drum, and I will continue to do so until I am proven wrong or correct. So that's what we got there. I am going to try and, and bring back the podcast with guests moving forward. Got a lot of things up in the air, obviously, right now with coronavirus. I haven't left my house, basically, other than to run to the grocery store in two weeks. It's, uh, it's bizarre out there. It's like living in a movie. Never thought I'd live through something like this. So we'll see what tomorrow brings. But that's going to do it for Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman here. Bear down, everybody. Talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.